noise, man. I'm rocking noise, man. Hey, always gotta rock noise. That's just how I roll. I'm rocking noise, man. Word up, I'll be rocking with the rock boys. I'm rocking noise, man. Hey, always gotta rock noise. That's just how I roll. I'm rocking noise, man. You see, I'll be rocking with the rock all right, welcome back, or welcome to the uh, Orange Weekly pregame podcast. This is week four, and what's special about week four is that uh, Jared's back, uh, back from his trip uh, in, you know, God knows where. It's time to return. But, um, you know, we, we were talking about this um, sort of off uh, off air, as if it'd be cool. Let's let's make people think we're in a recording studio. We're talking about this off air, <laughs> right. and um, the light Jared, you're now gone. chief, right? I am. Yeah, exactly. You're chief. That's awesome, man. So congratulations. I think your, your time away was well worth it. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, we're, ba- we're glad to have you back. And it's, um, it's uh, also me and uh, David, too, here. So it's uh, three of us this way. We're going to three-way this talk here. Right. Um, hopefully it's better that way. Three pe- <laughs> it, it's always better always with three Always better when you three-way. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And hopefully with, uh, with the three of us, we can help the Broncos get that first win because it's, uh, it's been desperate times so far. Right. Something has right. to help. Oh, God, something has to happen for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, any sort of notes from this uh, last game against the Packers before we get going? We don't want to overkill it, but maybe just to set the context for things we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, and I don't want to I don't want to go too crazy into the last game. Obviously, you can go through and listen to Tanner and Jeff in the uh, postgame podcast, but uh, I, I do want to mention a couple things. One of them is we're not nearly in as much doo-doo as everybody thinks we are. Uh, for my my vocabulary is amazing, by the way. If anybody didn't know that, uh, we are in a great well, since deal. You made of, chief. A great deal of doo doo. All right, so but we're not, and and I think what we really saw against that Packers game is that it's it's not that we're really in a bad position. It's just that we just are not a good enough team to not make mistakes, and that's that's what it ended up coming down to. I saw some really good things. I saw us controlling the ball, controlling the clock. We just made some mistakes against a really good Packers team, and then that's what ended up costing us the game. But I don't think. There's any reason to start freaking out about the season. There's still plenty of games left to play. That's that's my take. Yeah, and, and going off kind of what Jared said and what I've kind of been saying since since week one, really, and we came out to the Raiders and just looked how we looked. Uh, you know, this team is not going to be a high-ceiling team this year, and it's just something that we're all going to have to deal with. But, um, you know, I saw something that I, I talked about in the Beers, Broncos, and OBS show last week was I just – I've seen incremental improvements in areas from this team every game this season. And they did that again in some areas against the Packers. And then in some areas, they made big regressions. Uh, the turnover battle, for instance, they right. – yeah, that was, you know, a big killer. So we don't have to get into it real deeply, but, you know, it's just a team that's going to take a little longer to get together. But like Jared said – we're not in as deep a doo doo as it may seem. Yes. Thank you for using yeah, the doo doo term. <laughs> I got you. I got. Well, it's a, obviously a, a pretty important to you as chief now. So I'm going to adopt some of your lingo. Maybe right. make you feel like like you've earned that a little. I'm just going to start using a bunch of old uh, like childhood lingo and seeing how much how much of it catches on. Sounds great. Don't be too sucky about it. it be <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. We'll make it work. Um, but yeah, you, you guys are right. Like. Uh, you know this this last game, I, I kind of expected the uh, the Packers to win. I actually predicted the Broncos would score sixteen points. Yeah, so great you know, job. I'm, thank you, thank you. I'm 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 looking into the future here, and I'm I'm pulling <laughs> some good stuff out. Um, unfortunately, I still can't predict a win. Predict a win, sorry. But uh, there's some good things that came out, like Philip Lindsay, awesome two touchdowns. Right. The offense finally got rolling early in the game. 
That's something we talked about last week. Last week I was on with Kevin and we, we talked about the importance of really just like getting going early, right? Uh, otherwise, like the, our touchdowns this year so far have come in towards the end of the game. But, you know, this year, we this week, we, we kept up, which was nice to see. But unfortunately, we just couldn't close off. Um, I think the Green Bay Packers are a much better team than people expected this year. I think they're going to probably win that division. Yeah. And, you know, make some noise in the playoffs. So it's, you know, they, they were just more prepared and a, a better team overall, I think. Sorry, the stats have been saying that the Bear, that the uh, Packers defense has been getting better. And I haven't quite seen it until that game. Like, they're actually mm. stepping up. And, and it's it's names that aren't really big right now. But I bet you they will be towards the end of the season. Well, absolutely. Like Preston Smith, he was a big pickup in Zadarius Smith. Both guys came from free agency. Preston from uh, Washington and Zadarius from Baltimore. And they had five sacks between the two of them. Yeah. You know, these are players that are really stepping up and making a difference, including Rashawn Gary, the first round pick. He finally had his first sack of the year. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, these players are stepping up. Uh, Petten's been an excellent defensive coordinator there. And, uh, you know, we, we just got bested at the end of the day. I thought it was pretty close for a while. Like, we, we sort of came back you know, midway through the game and we were down by a touchdown and it just, I don't know, it, it seemed, it seemed possible, but, um, you know, even work out in their favor, even with that terrible Noah Fant fumble, the game didn't feel like out of reach, yeah. out of reach. I, but it, you know, once those that stuff like that starts to pile on the interceptions, the fumbles like that, right. like Jared said, we're just not good enough to overcome those mistakes right now. We're not ta- that talented a football team. Yep. Yep. Yeah, even even the turnovers that we did have, and, and I don't want to harp on this game too much, but even the turnovers we did have were kind of like, I mean, there were mistakes. There were mistakes, and there were there were stupid mistakes that we we could have obviously avoided, but they weren't like, oh my gosh, this person sucks, get him off the team. Like the Noah Fant fumble, that was just a great defensive play, right? The interception that slipped out of his hands after a heavy rain. Right, he could have avoided that, uh, but ultimately, it's not like really a big thing. And then, um, what was the other one? The fumble, right? The yeah. Oh, I mean, wasn't there another interception? Didn't Flacco have another interception where he? It wasn't the the blocked one. He just threw it to nobody. No, I think he got stripped. There's one. Where oh, he got you're stripped. right. No, you're right. You're yeah, right. and then yeah. we somebody one of our guys tried to jump on it and just popped out like a balloon. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but that's something they're going to have to clean up going into the, into this week. You know, the Jaguars certainly don't have um, any less of a formidable defense than Green Bay does. They've got a lot of playmakers there, and you know, if Jalen Ramsey doesn't play great, but you've still got guys like Malik Jackson, Calais Campbell mm-hmm. hasn't gone Malik anywhere. Jackson, yeah, Malik Jackson's with the Eagles this year. Oh, is he? Re- I'm so, you're right. Absolutely, yeah, and, he's, and he's hurt. No, yeah. you're but right. they have. You know, Marcel Darius and that front, Calais Campbell. Right, uh, right. Yeah, who did they Yannick get? and Joku and yeah, Josh Allen. Yeah, just Josh Allen round. this year. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they, they do have a lot of good players, you know. But I honestly, like, the Green Bay defense is way better than people think. And the mm-hmm. Jacksonville defense oh, yeah. hasn't really been extraordinary this year. They've had their moments, but they're not the Jacksonville that we're used to. Um, I think their stats got boosted up quite a bit from last week. Nine sacks total against the Titans. Right. You know, they've got 13 in the year, and they had nine last week. So, you know, are they really a good sacking defense, or did they have a great game against the Titans? I think they had a great game against the Titans. It was Thursday night at home. You know, it's just one of those games, right? But otherwise, you know, Chiefs put up 40 on them. Chiefs have probably put up 40 on most people this year, and they, they barely, just barely lost to the Texans. So, you know, the Jaguars are they're an interesting team. I, I think they're a little bit overrated um, overall. Their defense just isn't what it used to be that, you know, what we're used to seeing from this from this team year in and year out. Um, but 
you know, it's it's still anybody's game. I think they're in the same level as the Broncos right now. Gardner Minshew is playing fantastic football he right now. He's a, just a really great surprise to see in the league. Like he's this is, I mean, take it for what it is, a very obscure stat. But in his first three games, he's got seventy seventy three point eight percent completion and one hundred ten point six passer rating, and that's the highest of a rookie in his first three starts in the Super Bowl era. You know, get as specific as you want, but. It still shows that, you know, this doesn't seem like a fluke. Like, he, he seems to be a, a good quarterback and able to play in the NFL. He's only thrown one pick in three games, um, you know, and he's, he's, he's poised. He's really accurate. He's got a strong arm, and he's got a great personality with a lot of confidence that can back it up. So, you know, I think this is a, a, a nice surprise for the Jaguars. I think he's better than Nick Foles, honestly. His ceiling is much higher than Nick Foles, so I think they kind of got lucky there, um, especially from a six-round quarterback like Minshew. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know this this Jaguars team. Like, I don't know what to make of it. You know, uh, you know, without getting into any sort of predictions or, or any idea of you know who's going to come out uh, you know on top of this game. You know, what do you predict with these Jaguars? Like, do you see them as being another strong contender, or or do you see them as being a team that we can easily beat? So th- this is this is interesting because we were talking about Gordon Min- Gordon Minshew and he and honestly he does he looks great he looks poised he looks great in the pocket he looks like he has been with that offense for a while his his timing with his receivers are already really good but here's my problem with these these quarterbacks it was the same thing with Nick Foles it was the same thing with any of these other backups that come in to start playing very well in a system. Uh, after a while, you get film on the guy and you start getting to f- figuring out what his his tendencies are and once you start figuring out those tendencies defensive coordinators can start game planning against those tendencies right not just the system but him so making him go outside of his comfort level and making him make throws that he's not comfortable making and maybe making mistakes so I think later on the season you're going to start seeing that and that's actually a big test for me because I want to see Vic Fangio do that this week because the defense let's be honest is super underwhelming this year and that's putting it lightly and I, it's so underwhelming for the amount of talent that we have and what we've seen. We haven't lost a huge chunk. We've, we've lost a big chunk of our Super Bowl 50 defense, but we still have the pieces in place to be able to be a great defense, and we just are not seeing it come to fruition. And unfortunately, it needs to start this week against the Jacksonville team. I, you know, that's absolutely true, especially against a rookie sixth-round pick backup quarterback who, like you guys both said, he's been very good so far. But when you dig a little bit deeper into his tape, for instance, and you see him, you know, on these pass plays staring down his receiver the entire time, and not just once, but most plays, it's the kind of thing where it doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence that that success is sustainable. Um, And like you said, Jared, I would expect a defensive coach at the level of Vic Fangio to be able to pick some stuff up on that tape right now um, and and pick out some of those tendencies to to really exploit. You're also right about the underwhelming nature of this defense, though. Right now, we are just – this is not what anybody expected in Broncos country, plain and simple. Uh, You know, still no sacks or turnovers after three weeks, and I get it. You know, Lambeau's a tough place to play. That offense is a tough one to play against, and that quarterback is a tough one to play against. But when he comes away from your team, a team with Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller, literally saying he had maybe one grass stain on his jersey and he's going to go drink some scotch now, Mm -hmm. you don't want to be the defense that that happened to. You don't want to be the guys that he's talking about when he says things like that. And they know it. You know, when you hear Von Miller talk and you hear Bradley Chubb talk especially, they know. 
They know, they feel it more acutely than any of us. They want to get there. And it is just not happening. You know, we've gone over several reasons that are probably combining to, to stymie that pass rush. It's not just any one thing. But unfortunately, none of the other guys along the line are really helping out as far as a pass rush either. We're not seeing Gotsis, Wolf, Harris really do much of any any, any anything in the pass rush. And so, you know, those two guys, they're your premier guys, and you want to see them produce, but everybody's really got to step up on that defensive line. The backfield looks better. Uh, Devontae Bosby balled out against right, Green right. Bay. Yeah, he was one of the few on defense that really balled out against Green Bay, and it kind of made you wonder where he's been the last couple of weeks, but hopefully we see more of that guy. Honestly, the defense from – they didn't – the run defense, I thought, was really good, and they didn't get gashed except for maybe once or twice. And, you know, apart from the really terrible situations the offense left them in after turnovers, the defense really was able to kind of keep the game in hand for most of the day. You yeah. know, they had allowed that one big drop pass on the first drive, and after that they really kind of limited the big plays. They forced some third and longs, and they couldn't – and the Green Bay Packers couldn't convert some of those third and longs. So it's again, it's coming together. It's not where you want it to be, but to me, at least, I see signs of forward momentum on defense. And I want to say this about Gordon Minshew too, and and something that we've seen. So the the three quarterbacks we've played so far. I mean, outside of maybe Mitch Trubisky, because he's still decently young, but he's been in the league long enough to realize this. We've played Derek Carr, who's played against us a lot in the last couple of years, and and Aaron Rodgers, who is you know probably one of the greatest quarterbacks playing right now. Um, none of them have targeted Chris Harris Jr. more than maybe once or twice. And I think I think that might be one of those rookie mistakes we might be able to count on with Minshew, thinking that he's going to have somebody open. Maybe we can get Chris Harris to bait him a little bit. But right now, nobody's targeting that side of the field, and hopefully we can get some of that from Gordon Minshew and being like, hey, let's bait him a little bit and see if we can get Chris Harris a pick or two. And uh, remember in the first game, like Derek Carr really had a lot of success passing against Yadam. Right. Right. Like how many times was Yadam just like exposed during that Absolutely. game? Right. So it's when, you know, looking at the big picture, I think the thing that really stands out is, you know, like everybody says it's the zero sacks and zero turnovers. Like that's that's the big issue right now, given the level of talent we have. Um, but, David, you're right. Like it's coming together slowly but nicely. There's every week there's some improvement somewhere on this team. Um but it's so far it's just sort of not come all the way together, which is right. sad to say. But I, I think this Jaguars game is the one where we can get that first win because, you know, at the end of the day, the Jaguars, I don't think, are going to be a great team throughout the stretch of the season. I'm, I, the more I watch Minshew, the more I sort of believe in his ceiling. I think that he's going to surprise people in terms of his potential in this league. Like, so far, he's demonstrated poise and just – you know, a general, you know, sense of talent. Like he doesn't look like a six round pick QB. You know what I mean? And we, so it's, it's hard to say how he's going to be, but I think at, at mile high, it's one of the hardest places to play in, in, in the entire league. Um, I think our defense is, I mean, they're hungry for a sack, you know, more so than anybody, more so than any of the fans. Von Miller can't wait to get to the quarterback and it's going to have to happen. And I think it's going to happen this week. Minshew's only been sacked five times. You know, in the last three games, so the offensive line has been performing pretty well, but, you know, hopefully this week's the one. Yeah, and I think we're going to see maybe a little bit more in the way of blitzing from this Fangio defense. It's not something he likes to do a hopefully. lot, but I think maybe you uh, you might see just to get some guys home to the quarterback, get some good pressure. I think you might see him resort to that a little bit more this week, especially against a rookie who you can confuse a little bit with different looks. 
yeah, I, I agree. I think that's it's just gonna and and honestly, really, all it takes in this league is one win to kind of build that confidence back up. And and that's the other thing that we see with this team that a lot of people are counting us out. A lot of people are like, oh, and three, they're done. Let's go on, let's move on to the next team. But let's be honest, this team has a lot, and they have not given up. And that's the one thing I've noticed this year, different from last year. Is last year they started losing a little bit. You could just see the the mentality, the droop shoulders, and the. The, the bad talking at press conferences here is just like, hey, this sucks, but we know we can do this. This isn't a – we have faith in each other, and we know we could do this. I don't know if you guys saw that Philip Lindsay kind of went off um, a, a little bit about, you know, hey, if you're counting us out now, really, at three games, like, like are you really a, a real fan? Because we know that we could do this. you got to believe in us too, right? So, and I think that's the mentality that they have, and I love it because I think all it takes is a couple wins to get them back on that road and bring us to 11-5. Uh, and five. <laughs> well, that's quite the uh, lofty goal all right jared's first episode really inspirational <laughs> yeah. stuff. hey first episode back i gotta throw up a big one all right I, big one you absolutely you decided decide to get drunk for this episode i think right yeah <laughs> forgot to forgot to pour some booze uh, jared's a little ahead so of let's us. take a let's take a little step back here with the jaguars let's look at the coaching staff like we like to do um head coach is doug marone he's been there since uh, 2017 um he had a little two-game stint in 2016 and and you know his first year his first, yeah, his first year, he had quite a bit of success. He brought the the Jags up deep into the playoffs. They were a solid contender. They had a lot of potential. Right. And then last year, they kind of fell apart. And this year, yeah, they look like the same old Jags. You know, there's just something missing in this organization. Um, you know, Doug Marone is, he, he seems to be a suitable coach, but um, I don't know if he's, how long he's going to last with this team because they just, they seem stagnant. Uh, you know, so it's hard to tell really what uh, what's going to happen next with this organization. But you know, other than him, we've got John DeFilippo as the offensive coordinator. He's worked with Carson Wentz. He was the OC for the Browns a few years ago, back in the uh, Josh McCown, uh, Johnny Manziel days. You know, yes. the heydays. Um, and then exactly the heydays. And uh, right before the Jags, he was with the Vikings, and he had a good success with Kirk Cousins up there. But um, you know, so this offense is coming from that Doug Peterson sort of look from that Andy Reid world, you know, so it's really about maximizing your player's strengths and it's about just, you know, using the run to set up the pass and using the pass to set up the run. It's, it's all about diversity and yeah. flexibility. Um, you know, with this offense in general, I think their strength should still be with Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a power back and he's somebody who can control the game. I think that, you know, we're going to have a good, you know, chance to really shut down the run this week because Fournette really hasn't played all that well this year and their backups haven't played much at all. So there's not much diversity in the run game. So, you know, our chances of stopping the run is, I think, pretty strong, honestly. And I think that's just going to play in our favor in getting those sacks and turnovers. Um, you know, what do you guys think about this Jaguars offense? Like, where where are the strengths, in your opinion? Where are the weaknesses? How we can we move around this? I, it's, I think it's, it's interesting because I think this is the first time, other than maybe the Raiders, and even then they were kind of throwing the ball a lot, uh, the first time that we've played an offense that's very, very similar to ours in the whole, like, control the clock, run the ball, open up the pass. Um, and I think that's what we're going to see with, with their offense. It's that's It's – Leonard Fournette is their workhorse, and and they use him to open up the pass because they know he's a good running back. They got a decent run block uh, up in the front. 
but our run defense has been very good. So it's going to be a very, it, this might be a very slow game to most viewers as far as like, it's going to be very run heavy, you know, get four or five yards at a time, try to push down the field and maybe get a couple running touchdowns here and there. But um, I'm excited to see this because it's all going to come down to what happens in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Uh, so their offense is, is really going to come down to how well they can run the ball because I don't think Gordon Minshew is going to be able to pass as well as he has in the past against us. Yeah, Jared's right on about that. Uh, and when you are watching this game, uh, um, one thing I'm going to go back to the Packers game again is one thing we did really well in the Packers game was control the ball. Now, when the when right. Green Bay had the ball right. and they scored, they scored quickly, so it didn't help us overall. But we were able to control the time of possession very, very well. Um, it's unfortunately not a stat I have in front of me, but we can look that up here in a minute. Uh, but anyway, that's a, a recipe to win some games in this league. And you're not going to be able to be hold down elite offenses like Green Bay and Kansas City forever. But you can stifle teams that do not have that kind of offensive firepower available to them. And if that's something that the Broncos are you know, committed to doing this season, they can. It's, you know, it's they showed it against Green Bay. They can control the ball. I mean, let's see. They had uh, um, 149 rushing yards on 38 carries against the, mm-hmm. against the Packers versus the Packers 23 carries for 77 yards. You know, like you said, guys, I think there's a really good opportunity to stop the run here. And once you do that, if you force Gardner Minshew to beat you, I don't like his odds against this secondary this Sunday at Mile High. It's going to be a madhouse. It always is for these home games. So I think Jared's right on. I think the keys to the game are ball control, keep the ball on the ground, don't put the ball on the ground. And, yeah, the rest of the game should take care of itself from there. This is a very winnable game. Yeah, it's all going to come down to the turnover battle and – and, and not nearly as much as it did in the Packers game just because the Packers are an elite team. I mean, let, let's 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 call it what it is, and Jacksonville's not. Uh, and we might be able to afford one or two turnovers, but I'd like to see us not have to. I'd it's like to see us actually – And not just come out of this game with a win, but come out with a, a resounding win. I don't want to come out with a squeaker at the end. I want to come out with, you know, let's, let's go up by 10 and then make them try to come and get a last-minute crappy touchdown and, and win That's the game. That's where the sacks come from. When you yeah. when the guy's yeah. down ten and they've got to drive, you know that's where the pass rush comes in. Yep, absolutely. I mean, let's let's be honest. Like the Jags defense, led by Todd Wash, he's uh, you know he's he's running a four three system. The four three relies on four defensive linemen to get pressure, and they do. This team is built to pass rush. Right, the big bodies up the middle, like Marcel Darius and Avery Jones and. Kaleas Campbell can play on any position on the line, and he's like what? He's like seven foot fourteen and four hundred pounds. Right? Like, yeah, insane. Like that. Phenom. 85-inch wingspan. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's really hard to stop. And then their new first-round pick, Josh Allen, is dynamic. And Yannick Njoku just signed a big contract last year, and he's really good too. So, you know, the strength of this defense really is down in that defensive line. Um, Their linebacking core is not as strong as it used to be. Miles Jack's still manning the middle, but, you know, the the other two sides just, yeah, it's not like it used to be when there was – a few years ago, I forget their names, but you know, there's some really good players that, uh, like Telvin and uh, somebody else. But Telvin's nice. Miles Jack, yeah, yeah, those Miles are big, Jack and yeah. God, there's some speed inside else linebacker was, yeah. there. Yeah, they have great speed. Absolutely. that inside linebacker. That's Absolutely. gonna be a real challenge for our running backs this week. I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere that Miles Jack's unquestionable right now. So I kind of want to see because if if he's not playing in this game, that's gonna open up a lot. 
that, that if if him and Jalen Ramsey are not playing in this game, it's it's almost like a, if we lose this game, it's like okay, maybe we should start looking towards the dumpster for this <laughs> season. But um, because I mean, those are those are their two guys. Don't get me wrong; they made eight Pro Bowlers last year. So it's this is not a Jacksonville team. This is not a Jacksonville team that is is you know to be taken lightly and and over the time they've had number one de- i mean under under todd wash i know you mentioned him uh but under todd wash they've had number one defenses for three years in a row uh and and you know obviously however the offense was going at the time they tried to take care of it in the offseason with the whole picking up of nick Foles. but this this defense isn't to be taken lightly but if we're missing they're missing their top two guys miles jack and jalen ramsey it's gonna be very difficult for me to look at this game and be like how are we not making progress and even if Ramsey plays, like he's not mentally in this in, in this league right now. You're like right. he he's playing, but he's just not mentally there. Every week he wants to be traded. There's always some new drama. Like it's just something every week with this guy. And he's like you know a, an elite talent, but I just he's not as scary as he used to be. Right? AJ Boy on the other side is another great uh, corner. Like you know back even when he was with the Texans, he was fantastic, and he's been great with the the Jaguars, but. You know, you take away Ramsey, and you're right. DJ Hayden's the backup. That's not very impressive. And then Miles Jack, if he's hurt, you know, Najee Good is your middle linebacker at this point. Then you have Leon Jacobs and Quincy Williams on the sides too. And it's these aren't very big name guys. We don't really know who they are, right? So it's you know, at the end of the day, this defense isn't what it used to be. Um, I think our offense has a great ability here to to at least run the ball. We've demonstrated that against the uh, the Packers and against the Bears. Right, Royce Freeman is coming really like he's. I think he's going to take over Lindsey in terms of starting running back. He's just got that ability to run the zone offense the way that Scangarello wants him to run. Lindsey's very dynamic. He's good on the outside. He's a great scat back. But you know Freeman's able to take it between the tackles consistently and move the ball. So you know we've got two strong running backs. And if these linebackers are hurt and if this defensive back core is sort of mentally out of it and scattered, you know, and, you know, once we get past this front line of this great defensive line, you know, the, the whole field belongs to us. And I think Flacco has shown throughout these last three weeks that he's really good at just distributing the ball and being safe with the ball. One thing I miss about Flacco is that deep cannon. You know what I mean? He yeah. used to bomb it down the field. And. I think it's because we don't have a deep threat right now. Cortland Sutton's a great, you know, big slot. And Emmanuel Sanders has always been great sort of manning the middle and, and running those cross routes as opposed to just, you know, booking it down the field, right? So I think our offense is just more tailored towards that shorter, medium routes, you know, that, that sort of middle of the field passes. Yeah. Um, but against this defense, look, I think that, you know, that's fine. It's going to work. If we can just run the ball, manage the clock, we can get in the end zone no problem against these guys. Yeah, I, I want to take a, take a shot at that since you brought up this Flacco thing i think i think the biggest issue with joe flacco this year uh is is a, a couple things i don't think it's a, a single-sided a i think he is still getting used to the offense when we saw him against chicago we and, and sorry when we saw him against um oakland i felt like he was running a backup quarterback offense like the the play calling was was very basic the plays were very simple the reads were basically one to go uh and and it just wasn't what I think he was used to. I mean, he was with one team for how many years before he came over to, to this brand new offense, brand new offensive coordinator, brand new head coach. So I think there's a little bit of that that we're that we're playing into. I think the second part is I don't think he fully trusts his offensive line to pass block for him yet. And I think the reason he's dumping it off so quickly after maybe one read is because he doesn't quite trust that offensive line to be able to give him the second step to be able to go deep. Uh, and then third, uh, it is a little bit about 
our deep threats and where and where they're going. And I think a lot of that has to do with our play calling. I think we have the deep threats. I don't think we're trusting them to get that deep section. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton is one that we keep bringing up that he has not gotten a lot of uh, targets. True. And, you know, the, the targets have been basically Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, every single one of our tight ends and every single one of our running backs <laughs> because of those dump off plays that he has. And I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a system fault. I think that's partially a Joe Flacco fault. He needs to be able to trust his offensive line to step up into that pocket and make those deep throws. Or, and the so, last thing on this one. Uh, last thing on this one is, uh, the other thing I miss from Joe Flacco is is the threading the needle. We have not seen him make a real throw uh, in coverage. It's always been wide open guys. It's always been either dump offs or wide open guys on the outside. I don't think I've seen him make an actual like threading the needle throw he made a couple against the Raiders with Cortland Sutton. I remember just between the linebacker and safety and right yeah. in Sutton's hands in that first game. But you're you're right in the sense that it's just not as common as it used to be. Yeah. Um, but I, they're still there. They're just sparse, you know. Sure, and it's you know it's like trusting your offensive lineman to block for you. You've also got to trust your. Sometimes you got to be able to trust your guy when you throw the ball out there. Go make a play. And he hasn't right. played with these guys for very long. Um, you know, one thing about Joe Flacco, I think that we also have to acknowledge is that when he played in Baltimore all those years, all those offensive lines were really good for the most part. I mean, really for a long, long, solid stretch of years, he had great players playing in front of him. Mm-hmm. Guys like Marshall Yanda, uh, you know, that's that's going to be a big thing that Not you remember. Good. Yeah, uh, when you're when you're coming to a new team to come into this team, which you know you mentioned the the Jaguars may not be the world beaters they seem to be in the pass rush, but against this offensive line they may not need to be, um, and that's what worries me the most. That's kind of the one area that I'm going to be really watching strongly is to see if they can keep him clean enough to to get the ball down the field like they have been. You know, one of the I mean Cortland Sutton like you guys mentioned has been one of the most pleasant surprises to my eyes this year. Yeah. Watching him go from a deep ball jump ball specialist to a guy who runs routes runs routes really well to a guy who is very instinctive about where the first down marker is when he's making a catch. And that's something I saw carry over from the Bears game into the Packers game. He knew where the sticks were. He went and got that first down. If he wasn't at the line when he caught it, he made sure he got over it before the play ended. And that's one thing I've been really – I'm going to probably drop an article on you guys pretty soon about how excited I am about Cortland Sutton's development because, man, he's been a pleasure to watch. But you're both right in the fact that there's just haven't been, you know, those deep shot plays. They haven't been really dialing them up as much. You know, we saw, and maybe there were a couple of them they called against the Packers that were those coverage sacks, those ugly Joe Flacco coverage sacks that we saw where he held the ball and held the ball and held the ball and just went down. And so, you know, hopefully that's something they can clean up a little bit more, get him and his receivers on the same page, as well as the play calling. Because the play calling has been better every single week, but you guys are right. That's a big component of an, of an offense like this, of a West Coast-style offense. You have to be able to get those chunk plays, and they just haven't come through yet. It's, it seems like he's scared. Like he's holding onto the ball, he's not taking any sort of risks in the passing game. Like he's he's almost afraid to throw an interception and make a mistake. Like you know, he's too focused on being perfect. And well, I mean, I don't know, I'm not in his head, but I, I I sort of get the feeling that he's really focused on just trying to be good and not make a mistake. That it's taking away from the dynamic side of the game. Because you're right, Deshaun Hamilton could be a great deep threat. He's really fast. He's dynamic. He's shifty too. And you know, there's just no. 
I just feels like Joe Flacco is not going to get the ball to him no matter how far down and how open he's going to be on the field. He's just afraid of those shots. So it'd be really nice to see Flacco just kind of shake it off and just, you know, play football. Stop trying to be, you know, this certain way and just play the game, you know, like you were when you were a kid. And it'd be fantastic to see, right? You know, one more thing. And, and I think at this point we're seeing peak Joe Flacco, honestly. And, you know, I and I understand there's a lot of things that we can kind of t- go through his game and say – these are not, you know, these are not elite level. We can get into the Joe Flacco elite thing on the Elite Podcast. You guys can catch that every other Sunday after the, yeah, yeah, the Elite Podcast coming soon. But we're so we're not going to get into that right now. Plugging his stuff. But I really do think at this point we're we're getting about as good out of Joe Flacco as we're going to get, especially at this point in his career and after the few years that he's had in the last few years where he just he didn't look like a good NFL quarterback. I think he's back to a level of respectability that he hasn't seen in a little while, and that, I think, is probably as much as we're going to get out of him. So, you know, maybe he improves a little bit more. Maybe he cleans up a little bit more of those shot plays, like you were saying, and stops playing as a little hesitant, as you put it. But I, don't, I think maybe, yeah. yeah, I don't know that we're going to see much, much more out of him this season. I think I'm going to disagree with you on this one because I, I think we will. I think we will see a little bit more out of Joe Flacco once he starts learning and starts getting used to this whole system because I think this is a learning curve for like 99.9% of our offense has no clue what they were going to get into at the beginning of the season. So I think a lot of the change and a lot of the intrigue and a lot of the what is going on and who do we have throwing us the ball and who do we have catching the ball, who do we have calling the plays, I think a lot of that's going to start to iron themselves out because I like Scangarello. I like his offense and I like what he I've seen over the course of these three weeks, right? We talked about the week one against Oakland and it looked like a backup quarterback had his, had, had his wristband on and he only had 15 plays that he could choose from and it was the same 15 plays all the time. And then you go into the next game, okay, it opened it up a little bit. We tried to use Noah Fant and some really weird specialty stuff. It looked like they practiced too hard to get negative yardage. Um, and then you, you go to the next level and, and we finally saw him change and we finally saw him actually notice what the defense was doing and make a game plan for what the defense was doing which is why we were being so successful on those drives and controlling the ball and controlling the clock which is what we wanted to do so i like the progress the progress i'm seeing from the play calling and i think Flacco's going to start falling into that play calling and he's going to start falling into that uh progress and we're going to see him start taking those shots because we're going to start being able to see the open receivers that we haven't seen yet and you may be right. I would say I'll say this. I think he has room to improve maybe 5%, but I think if we expect him to improve like 20%, I don't think we're going to see that level right, of improvement. So what percentage is he at now? I would say he is at approximately 70%. 70%. Okay, hey, 20% is 90%. That's a passing grade in most countries. Oh, th- but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I, you're not going to see... 90%, like 90% is like Carson Wentz right now. Carson Wentz th- is playing at a 90%. Yeah, so we're not going to see that from Joe Flacco this year. We may get up to 75, but yeah, we'll, uh, you know, he'll probably be average in the league. As, okay. And that's, you know, a big step forward for us, obviously, as far as what we've been going through. But I don't think you're going to see him turn into a top 15 or top 10 guy. And what percentage in this make-believe percentage world you have uh, is an elite status? So, like, where's Mahomes? Yeah, where's uh, Mahomes here? Yeah, unfortunately, and Broncos country, cover your ears. But <laughs> Mahomes is in a is is on a different scale altogether. Okay. He can't actually see our scale of eliteness from where he is. I may be overstating the case just a little bit, but God, that guy's good. 
That guy's he's, great. He's the LeBron of the you NFL. Can, you guys like, can both stop now. You can <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I, well, hold on. Yeah, let's save this day. Let's save this Mahomes talks for when we, for we play, play the Chiefs. Because we got I'm two excited. of them. We got two of them this year. So uh, every year. I'm so, so we excited. can just talk about that. I know. You and your Kermit the Frog poster. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Love me some Mahomes. Um, so so here's, here's a good sort of like, you know, a good question for you guys. Like in everything you've seen so far right, in the first three, three games, um, what's a big change you'd like to see going forward? You know, get, you know, get ballsy a little bit here in bold and, and sort of think outside the box. Like for me, I want to see Fangio stop calling the defensive plays. This guy's got to give it to Donatel. He's, he's just seems so disconnected from what the game's actually going on because listen, he's on the sideline. He's coaching his game. He's, you know, uh, Scangarello's in the booth. He's got to manage the stuff that's going on with the offense. He's got to manage the stuff that's going on with the defense. He doesn't seem to have time to sit back and look at his game plan and make the adjustments. Uh, you know, give it up. Give it to Donatel. He's capable of calling the plays and just get your team in order. It just seems so disconnected. So, you know, I want to see Fangio give up some responsibilities, empower his other coaches, and focus on the big picture as opposed to trying to control his defense. Because so far, I'm sorry, it's not working. Right. He's a great coach, but it's not working as a DC right now. I, I love that you mentioned that because it's something that I've been talking about and and we saw it in this game. You could just tell that his mind isn't on the defensive level. To be a defensive coordinator, you really have to understand where the offense is coming from and he's too worried about the big game plan, which is understandable. It's really hard to be a head coach and a DC and you, you don't see it be successful very often and and we saw it with the the very basic we're not we're not going out on a limb with our defensive play calls. Right? We're going out on a limb with our head coach calls going for two against the Bears, right? But we're not going out on a limb. We're not calling crazy rushes. We're not we spent three people against Aaron Rodgers on a third and fifty. He's gonna get that. He's gonna get that. I don't yep. care who you exactly. are. How do you not exactly. how do you not game plan against that guy? Anyway, I agree with you. I think that he should start to start giving a lot of his defensive play calls and start trusting his defensive coordinators and his, his with with the defensive play calls. Yeah, yeah, I I think it'd be a big change. Um, you know, let's like the the head coaches that call plays generally call offensive plays, yeah. and they're matched up with a great defensive coordinator. Absolutely, and it works out because as soon as the defense is on the field, they can give all the responsibilities to him, and he can go focus on the game plan and figuring out the offense. And then you're back, right? And plus, the the head coach sort of quarterback relationship is supposed to be important. But for Fangio, I mean, he's got Scangarello as the offensive coordinator, first year offensive coordinator. You know, you're you're not positioning yourself as a head coach to give away these important responsibilities he's like doing too much and he's got to give this play calling to donatel anyways that's that's my rant um what about you guys like what what kind of change would you like to see so far this year you know i would really like to start to see royce freeman starting games a little more i have seen philip Lindsay come out as the primary back on the first drive every game so far and you know what? This last week, he really opened things up. I think Lindsey's getting more comfortable in this offense, which is something that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we, you know, he was looking a little slower. He didn't have that same explosion. It looked a little better this week. But I would really like to see Royce Freeman starting, um, just to start with that kind of that pounded into your face, smash mouth run game that we can go with right off the bat to set the tone a little bit. I don't need you know outside sweeps that gain eight or nine yards are great. Once you've tired the defense out a little bit, it's the second or third quarter, and you've made them respect the other things that you can do on offense. If you just try it on the opening drive, those guys are ready, they've got fresh legs, and they're going to be looking for that kind of stuff. So they're not going to be fooled on the first drive. 
by a sweep outside to Philip Lindsay or an off-tackle run. I want to see them establish an in-between-the-tackles run game early. I think they can do it. Royce Freeman has the talent. We've seen him do it, and he's got that bruising hard. You know what? Philip Lindsay has that, too, and I don't want to take that away from him. He is moving forward when he gets hit, never backward. But thankfully, we've got the luxury of having two running backs who are really, really good at that. I want to see Royce Freeman used a little bit first, throw him a little more thunder before you hit him with that lightning. Yeah, so something I was I was pretty intrigued in is because I was going through and looking at stats and stuff, and I noticed that on all of your main website, all the main websites that do all your stats, that Royce Freeman's are leading rusher. Yeah, if you watch mm-hmm. these games, you would not have guessed that, and and, and he has ten less carries on the season than um, uh, Philip Lindsay, and the reason. The reason for that, I mean, he just gets those holes and he gets open. And obviously, Philip Lindsay has more touches, and he, so he has more touchdowns. But I mean, he's he's sitting at Royce Freeman is sitting at four point eight yards per carry. And yeah. for any running back, and he doesn't quite have fifty yards or fifty carries yet in the season. But any any running back that's four point six yards per carry has got to get used more. But I do like the fact that the Denver Broncos and Scangarello again. I like this idea started using the hot hand. Um, what I didn't like, and I don't know if it was because of the injury. I know Royce Freeman went out earlier in the in the game with an injury. What I didn't like in that game is that that stupid. And I won't don't get into it because I'll start getting my blood boiling, and I don't want to have an aneurysm. But that that holding call against Sanders that pulled back that Royce Freeman touchdown. Oh, yeah. Um, we didn't see him get a ball for like another like drive. Like he, I don't think he got another another touch until Philip Lindsay had at least another ten. So I was a little confused at that. I didn't know what the the thought process was because he had a great run. He obviously read the whole right. So, uh, but I do want to see that. I, I like the giving it to the hot hand. And you're right. I want to see Royce Freeman come out and be a little bit more pa- pounding. And uh, but I, I I do I agree with the hot hand situation. If one of them is running well and against a certain defense, we got to give it to him. Oh, absolutely. And that's yeah, that's what every great team does in the league right now. You just play the hot hand, right? Yeah. It's we got to follow up. But uh, Jared, what's your you know, what do you want to see change, man? What do I want to see change? I want yeah. to see a win. I, uh, <laughs> is that is that too okay. was that too obvious? Yeah, no, you is can't. That too yeah, much? Of course, I don't, you had two <laughs> other people's <laughs> answers to prepare hey. for your answer, I'm and not. you're still you're just not ready. I'm here for the hot takes. All right, <laughs> <I see. laughs> okay. these are the, this is the kind of cutting edge stuff that people listen to Orange Weekly for. All right. This is it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. This is peak Orange you Weekly, our, guys. You see our viewership just start dropping. Yeah, down just, slowly. Yeah. I didn't know you could down. do it mid mid podcast. Um, <laughs> I didn't but, think I, I didn't think we could get negative numbers, guys. Here we are. <laughs> I've done it. Welcome back, Jared. Uh, so, no, I, I what I do want to see, what I do want to see change, and it, like like you said, the defense is really what it comes down to. And I want to see, I want to see the play calling. I think a lot of it has to do with the play, who's calling the plays, with Vic calling the plays, and this post to Dantel. But I want to see a little bit more of the pass rush. I want to see a little bit more of the the blitzes that we're not seeing. I want to see a little bit more creativity on defense that we we just are not seeing from our defense right now. We're playing scared. Our defense is playing scared because we don't again don't want to give up a big play, which I get, but it's still happening. So we got to do something. And I want I want to see a little bit more creativity on the defense as we go forward, especially on on different. And that's something that we had um you know with Wade Phillips. And that was something that we loved with Wade Phillips. I mean, he'd call a blitz on like a like a first and two like our second and two like he'd, he'd, he'd just dial it up he didn't care what you were doing he would make sure that you sent him i now i don't want that level of crazy but i do want a little bit more a little bit more of that 
That crazy got us to the Super Bowl. That so crazy maybe we need a little bit of crazy. Won us the Super Bowl. Lives, you're you know? right. Exactly. So we need. I. I'm with you. I think we need a little bit more, like you know, risk taking and a little bit more speed on both sides of the ball and confidence. Like, it's just to me when I watch these games, they just seem slow. They just don't have that spark. It just doesn't seem like they really know what they're doing. So yeah. you know, the, these things change. They we get better at them as the year goes on, of course. But it's just getting really hard to you know. It's hard to wait. You know, let's be honest. Um, okay, so in this upcoming game, what's what's a player that, you know, we should look out for? Um, you know, on either side of the ball, right? It can be, you know, just Broncos, Jags, just one player that really sticks out to you. David? So I'm, I'm going to defer gonna, to Jared because he's, he's hopping oh, out Oh, Jared's going to interrupt here. Okay, oh, yeah. Jared, go oh, ahead. I'm good at this. Um, a win. No, uh, uh, no so... Oh. <laughs> no, I so gave my, you my time on the floor for this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I, I just want to give a shout out to somebody who I don't think has gotten enough credit and somebody who I've, I've noticed in the last three games, all three games, he does not give up. He does not stop at the whistle. And Matt, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this guy because he is a baller out there on the offensive line. Dalton Reisner? Uh, Dalton oh, Reisner. I knew you were going to say Dalton Reisner. He, uh-huh. And, and before, insane, he, before he threw like a freaking bag of, of sand, uh, Philip Lindsay into the end zone, I do want to point out that there was a couple times where he would run down the field when there was just kind of like a pileup, one of those kind of like get stood up a little bit, and he would push that guy another three to four yards. I'm pretty sure in that game alone, I was counting up, he had like 15 yards to his name, including that four-yard barrel toss that he had of, of Philip Lindsay. And I just want to say I love his mentality out there. And every single play, even if it got down, you'd see him by the ball. You'd see him going up there and trying to help and trying to push that team a little bit further. And I think that's that mentality. And what I love about that is that it's a leadership mentality too and he's young right now he's a rookie obviously and if we keep this guy around which we do and I hope he stays healthy and I hope he keeps playing like this and that's going to be that offensive mind mentality that we really really need Oh, he's he was my favorite draft pick for the Broncos. You know, this past year, he to me and anyways, my opinion, I think he's the best offensive lineman to come out of this draft. He has the highest yeah. ceiling. He's the most versatile. And honestly, if Garrett Bowles can't get it together, why not move Reisner to tackle? He's, he's got, got the, the athletic ability to yep. do it. He's got the size. He's got the 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 desire to do it as well. Like he plays guard right now, but I'm sure he could kick over to left tackle and kick ass. Like he's. Fantastic! Three times first team, all uh, all Big Twelve, and he was the Big Twelve co-offensive lineman of the year in 2018. That's saying something. When every team has five starting offensive linemen and they're all playing these games, and Reisner gets that kind of you know recognition, you know he's fantastic. He, he's demonstrating it week after week. And yeah, you're right. I should have brought him up, but yeah. um, I was kind of yeah, I was waiting. I was awesome. waiting for you to take that offensive line like mentality. You were like, hey, I got to throw this out there for the O line. Got to give. Oh one well, for you him. know I. Well, he was the p- player I was going to talk about in my pick, but you stole it from me. So I got to think of this whole other thing now. That's what you get um, for letting me steal the floor like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we've all learned now. <laughs> now. Note to John Elway, I draft five of those guys and, you know, Jeez, draft yeah. ten of those guys. You know, it's I know, a Dalton Reisner doesn't come around every draft, but... My God! If that's you've got, if that's your template from dra- for drafting offensive linemen from now on, great. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the Garrett Bowles and Ty Sam Brylo school came into your <laughs> thinking, but it's it's been thrown out in favor by Dalton Reisner. Physically, he threw it away, and then he threw it Philip Lindsay into the end zone again. Right, he's for another a lot touchdown. Of 
Yeah. It's and yeah. he's really good at it because he's super <laughs> strong. Uh, we and can, he played tackle at Kansas State too, he so he, he he can play across the line, man. Let's move him over and get Bulls on the bench where he belongs. Yep. He or or pull him cups. into guard. I feel like he'd do a lot less holding and a lot better at guard if we just pulled God, him into the inside. He's too small to play guard, man. He's also he's yeah. Tiny. No, I don't like his footwork at guard at all. Garrett Bowles' career at guard would be you oh, know God. yeah. Like if he ever played Aaron Donald, his NFL career would end. As would the quarterback who he was protecting that day, because that person would be dead. Yeah. Not yes. Yeah. Absolutely dead. So um, we could trip over ourselves to talk about how great Dalton Reisner is for another hour, and I'm okay with that if you guys are. The Dalton Reisner podcast. Absolutely <laughs> coming soon to your ears. <laughs> um, but so I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. I, I, you know, I was tempted to say Royce Freeman again, but I feel like I've already talked about him enough tonight. I'm gonna go with Noah Fant today, you know, this time. Uh, you know, a guy who is coming along a little slowly. We saw that rookie mistake with the fumble last week, but a guy who is not when he goes out there, he doesn't look overmatched every play. He does look overmatched sometimes, and that's gonna be a rookie. But he's also got those plays. You know, one or two receptions every game where he just makes you go, wow. That's why the guy's a first-round pick. That's the talent that we were we thought we were going to get when we picked him. And it's just kind of – he's one of those guys who's just improved a little, little bit every week, and it hasn't, it hasn't been perfect. But I think he's going to build on it again this week. You know, he's got 11 receptions for 99 yards right now, and that is on pace to absolutely shatter the Broncos' rookie record uh, for tight end receiving yards. Um, which I think is somewhere in the 350 range when I looked. So it's, you know, not not a big, but, I mean, just to have that kind of production, when was the last time we got 500 yards out of a tight end in a season? You know, it's so, and I think that he can, you know, I think with his speed, especially if Miles Jack isn't playing, um, you can exploit some matchups against that Jacksonville secondary, and you may see him get the ball quite a bit this week. Uh, speaking of which, I looked up that Miles Jack thing. It was a concussion. He's still in concussion protocol, but it looked like he was at full practice. So I, I, okay. I think he's he's about, he's getting ready to clear concussion protocol. But uh, that was that was the questionable status. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, no, that's uh, these are good picks. I mean, Fant is he's growing. He's made some dumb mistakes so far, but he's growing. Uh, one thing I want to mention about Royce Freeman that uh, we haven't brought up and I recognize in the game is Scangarello's using him at fullback sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but you know, you've got like that sort of offset eye with Lindsay's just standing in the backfield and then um, Freeman's just on his three point stance and he's getting the ball out of the fullback spot and he's getting a few yards. That's, that's great. That's a really innovative way of getting both running backs and kind of sneak the bigger one in a three point stance. So, yeah. you know, whole, uh, what I like about Scangarello is that he's made mistakes, but he hasn't made them twice. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's getting innovative and creative, and every week is sort of getting you know different and newer and newer. Um, so I'm actually gonna just flip it around a little bit. I'm gonna call out a Jacksonville player just you know just for the sake of it because you know it's football, right? Um, DJ Chark. He's really been a bright spot for this Jacksonville team. Like surprisingly, he's got 15 catches for uh, 277 yards and three touchdowns. That's 18.5 catches uh, yards per catch. It's really fantastic to see him like play at uh, you know such a great level, right? Especially for being like well, like a third string. You know, when he started his career as like a third string receiver, now he's coming out as like the you know the the first option for Minshew. So he's a guy that the Broncos will have to watch out for. 
Um, you know, I don't expect him to be matched up with Calvin Harris all game. Uh, sorry, Chris Harris, pardon me. He's going to be moving across the field. He'll be against Bosby. He'll be against Yadam. He'll be against Jackson at, you know, at the safety position. So he's going to be somebody that I think we're going to have to really pay attention to. And, and he has the potential to really take on uh, the offense for the Jaguars. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the player I'm going to call out. Uh, just because, you know, I think he's a good football player and the Broncos, we need to recognize um, his talent because he's, he is good and he's going to make some noise. He's yeah. a guy who was yeah. pretty well regarded in last year's draft. I think they took him in the second round, second or third round last year, and didn't produce a lot. And you're right, he has been one of the bright spots of that team. He has really kind of come into his own in his second year. The, the other thing I want to mention too is, uh, and, and I guess it's kind of on the other side, is more of a somebody we need a game plan for because – I, and I'm a realist, and I realize that in the past, I don't know, forever, the Denver Broncos have never been able to cover tight ends. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and they have James O'Shaughnessy, who has actually been playing pretty well for them, especially for Gordon Minshew. He's got a touchdown. He's got 10 receptions for 78 yards on the season. Um, he's, he's not a really deep threat, but we are awful at guarding tight ends. We are just awful. So we have to look out for that guy. We have to make sure that we, we put a helmet on him on the line before he gets out. I don't think he's a fast guy. I think he's more of a dump-off kind of uh, tight end. But uh, mm-hmm. he's still a threat, and we got to make sure. And I, I still think he's a pretty good tight end. He's a pretty good football player that has a pretty high ceiling. Yeah, he, he does. He's got potential. But you're right. He's more of like a dump-off sort of short route guy. He's not like a Travis Kelsey who's going to no. dominate across the field, right? But he had his first touchdown against the Titans wide open in the end zone. Right. Um, but, you know, I think compared to the other tight ends in the league, he's one of the – I think we can cover. Yeah. Um, hopefully that's – we can. If we can't cover him, then God knows. Uh, but anyways. So um, – Yeah, this right. Packers game was the last one where we really didn't see the tight end have a huge impact as far as the game went for the other team. Now, the Packers' tight yeah. ends are Mercedes Lewis, who I was I am surprised every year still th- that he's still playing. And I'm, I'm surprised their other tight end is still playing. I mean, Jimmy Graham is not. Yeah, Jimmy Graham's not the Jimmy Graham he used to be, and he hasn't been for a long, long time. A while, so, while. yeah, those guys, uh, you know, not uh, not the world beaters at tight end, the Packers, but at least we didn't get gashed by those guys. Right. So, right. Yeah, yeah, maybe trending in the right direction a little bit. For sure. Right. Uh, okay, so as we uh, close this off here, let's do our predictions. Um, you know, just who you think is going to win, basically. I, I, I honestly think that this is the Broncos' first win of the year. So, you know, usually I pick the other team. But this week I'm going with my gut, and my gut's saying that the Broncos are going to finally overcome a lot of their mistakes. They're at home, and they're going to squeak out a win. It won't be a beautiful win, oh. but it's going to be a win nonetheless. Um, I'm calling a 17-14 game for the Broncos. My score, I'm actually going to also go 17 for Broncos. That was my, that was kind of my best guess here. So I'll go 17-10. Copycat. Yeah, you know, if he'd let me say it first, then he would have been the copycat. I'm a trendsetter, what can I say? Hey, this is why I steal the floor when I have these kind of takes. You know you're just going to say 17-10 like I am when we get to you, so don't even play. All right. Um, but yeah, I think the Broncos are going to play a ground control game. I think they're going to try and control the time of possession like they did against Green Bay. I think they're going to be have success running the ball, and any passing game that we're going to see is really going to flow from that. So we're not going to see probably a lot of big flashy plays, but I think we're going to see him do enough to get the win. I think we're going to win. Ooh, That's wow, three for three. three for, <laughs> of course, now Jared's uh, been predicting uh, that since about the first three seconds. But Right, yeah. <laughs> hey, I just want to make sure I've, I've been on the bandwagon from the beginning, all right? Um, look, I, I, you're right. You guys are right. We need this win. It des- we deserve this win. The, the team is ready for this win. The 
fans are ready for this win and it's at home and this is kind of the one that needs to kickstart our season back up and I think it will. And I, But I also do think that our team is much better than what we've been seeing uh, against a couple teams and, and again against the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers. Uh, we are much better than what shows on that record and how it shows on the scoreboard. If we can take our three mistakes down to one against this team, I still think we come out winning this game by two scores. So I call this, I think it's going to be... Uh, Seven. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not gonna say that. Um, I think I think this game. I think it's gonna be probably like 23 to 14, 23 to 17. Um, but I think we're gonna. I think it's gonna be like a 23, 14 game. You know, did anybody see the Bears go into Washington last night and absolutely Destroy demolish them. those guys oh, yeah. at like oh, offense man. and defense? It was a total whipping up and down the field. And you know what? At the same at the end of the day, we have the same record as Washington. We're 0 and 3. They're 0 and 3. But you know, as, as far as much of a moral victory as it is to say we're not the worst 0-3 team in the league, it could get a lot worse. And we're we trying could be to be the Miami Dolphins. Boy, let's not even go there. We were second away from being one and two, right? Yeah. So it, it, at the end of the day, like we are the best 0-3 team right now. By far. Um, and one win, and it brings us up a whole level, right, in the NFL. So. You know, I'm glad we're all on the same page. Well, and, I'm glad and, we're all going to win. And that being said, I, I, we're not like really going out on a limb here. The, the Denver Broncos are favored to win by three, so the line the, we we are favored to win, and they are a two and one like or they are a one and two team. They have a win under their belt, but we're still favored to win this game. So, I, I we're not the only ones that see that we're not just an zero and three team. Uh, okay, cool, boys. Uh, any any closing words before we uh, we get off the show? Boy, it was uh, super great to have Jared here with his optimism and yes, yes. his uh, insanity well, and wait, you know wait. everything that Jared brings to the table. I Isn't it a joy know. to have him back? <laughs> it, it was great, and then he started interrupting us and talking <laughs> us. I don't know. It was great I don't until know. he started talking. Right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, this escalated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, I just I just came to have a good time with some friends, and this is what it comes down to. You <laughs> came to the wrong <laughs> podcast, don't worry. <laughs> You came for a good time, not a long time, so this right. is your last show with us. Yeah. <laughs> well, that being said, I won't be around for the next couple of weeks, and I think this is why. <laughs> so I think I'm just going to go ahead and say I got kicked off. Um, yeah, no, yeah. It, was, it, it was great being back. Thank you guys so much. Uh, you know, you guys have been holding down the podcast for it, and it, it's been great. And I've, I've been listening as, as often as I've been gone. I've been trying to listen to every time, and you guys have been killing it. Thanks so much for uh, for keeping it up. Well, it's never the yeah, same yeah, without, without you, Jared. We're just happy to have you back. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, you know, for me, uh, I'm hoping for a win. Should be another good game. Um, you know, I think Von Miller said a few weeks ago, if you can't be with us when we're losing, don't be with us when we're winning, right? right. So just keep your hopes up. Professional sports is never a fun environment, especially when we're losing. But, um, yeah, thing, things will turn around. I, I've got faith in Fangio. I've been saying it all year. And, I, you know, things need to change. And I think they will start to uh, with this game. I think this is the one we win. Amen. Yeah, from, good. From your lips to the ears of the football gods, sir. That's absolutely. Yeah. On that note, I think the big point here, and and that I want to say is, while we're used to winning in the NFL, we are we have a, a Broncos country is just used to it. Like we have a we have a, a team that has been around for a long time and has a history of winning. But we also have to remember that every single time we step on that field, every single team that we end up playing is an elite talent. The people that get to the NFL are not scrubs off the off the bench, except for maybe a couple of the receivers that Belichick picks up from the grocery store on the weekends. 
Um, yeah, but he makes it work. And then somehow they end up going to the Pro Bowl. But these guys, these guys that we're playing against, as as, as we you know we sit here and talk about, oh, this guy's got this issue, this guy's got this issue, this guy's not as good as this guy. But these guys are elite athletes, and I think we have to remember that. Where these guys are elite teams, these guys are getting paid a lot of money to do this because they're the best at what they do, and that's why they are where they are. So we are zero and three. We've played three very good teams. As much as I hate the Raiders and say that, um, they're we've played three elite talent level offense and defense and and football teams. So we need to keep that in mind when as we're going forward. We're not just losing like, oh, you guys suck. This is awful. Um, this is this is football. This is part of the game. Yep. It's good. It sucks when you lose. It's awesome when you win. Let's just turn it around to winning this week. Yeah, let's let's That's change right. this to awesome. We'll, we'll we'll play our hardest this Sunday, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, this time we're All gonna right, try. It's been real. Yes, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, as always, go Broncos. Go oh, Broncos. Broncos.